Support for Yale Cancer Answers comes from AstraZeneca, working to change how cancer is treated with personalized medicine. Learn more at AstraZeneca-US.com. Welcome to Yale Cancer Answers with your host, Dr. Anise Chagpar. Yale Cancer Answers features the latest information on cancer care by welcoming oncologists and specialists who are on the forefront of the battle to fight cancer. This week, it's a conversation about health disparities in cancer with Dr. Kim Blenman. Dr. Blenman is an associate research scientist in medical oncology at the Yale School of Medicine, where Dr. Chagpar is a professor of surgical oncology. So Kim, maybe we can start off by you telling us a little bit more about your research and what exactly it is that you've been doing. So I'm an immunologist and clinical chemist with expertise in drug discovery and clinical development and in aspects of pathology. As you mentioned, I am in the Yale Department of Internal Medicine um, section of medical oncology and the Yale Cancer Center. So briefly, I study the immune system of patients to try to understand how the immune system is involved in their disease and their responses to therapeutic treatments. I have done research in melanoma and I am currently working in breast cancer as part of the Breast Medical Oncology Translational Research Group. So tell us some of the the studies that you've been doing in breast cancer looking at the immune system. So our work is primarily conducted through uh, clinical trials. Um, As I mentioned, our goals are to really try to identify components or mechanisms of the immune system that will either help patients to respond or respond better to therapy or help them to really reduce the therapy-induced toxicities. So the way that we do this is that we look at um, both genes and proteins of the immune system and of the tumor to accomplish our goals. We have, um, or we use many platforms, research platforms, such as next-generation sequencing to identify genes in RNA and DNA. And we also use histology to identify proteins and different immune and tumor cell types. And with that being said, um, we, um, my research is really interested in uh, looking at many, uh, mostly um, the biological factors, as I said, that are responsible for the dis- uh, disparities that we have in disease and therapy. And I am currently working on triple negative breast cancer. As I said, you know, triple negative cancer um, counts for approximately 10 to 15 percent of all breast cancers. The subtype of breast cancer is estrogen uh, receptor negative, progesterone receptor negative, and HER2 negative. In regards to the biomarkers that we use to classify the type of breast cancer in order to appropriately treat the cancer, um, it's often more aggressive, meaning that it grows and spreads fast. And so it tends to occur more often in younger women and those with BRCA1 gene mutations. So triple negative breast cancers have poor prognosis than other subtypes partially because treatment advances have lagged behind um, other cancers, breast cancers. But although um, treatment options are more limited than the other breast cancers, um, there are still several options available to these patients. And these um, individuals are treated with some um, combinations of surgery, um, radiation therapy, or chemotherapy. And right now I'm working on uh, two uh, clinical studies. And one study is a retrospective evaluation of um, genes and um, proteins from histology tissue from the tumor page, tumor patients with these triple negative breast cancers to try to identify immune components or mechanisms that are 
that may be responsible for the variations that we see in different racial and ethnic groups before the patients are treated. And then the other study is an ongoing um, clinical trial that is evaluating the benefit of giving our triple negative breast cancer patients anti pdl one immunotherapy with chemotherapy before they're taken to surgery. So, so those both sound like really interesting studies, and, and I want to kind of talk about each one of them in turn. So the first one, the retrospective study where you're looking at kind of the immune factors in these cancers retrospectively. So these are cancers that have already been taken out of, of patients, um, and you're, you're looking at immune factors um, in these cancers. Now, I understand that triple negative cancers, perhaps more than other breast cancers, actually are immunogenic. They tend to have a lot of um, T infiltrating cells uh, in them. Is that right? And is that what you're looking at? Are you looking at TILS or are you looking at other factors as well? That's absolutely right. And actually, we're looking at all of the above. And the reason actually we're doing this is that, as I said, we're looking at different um, populations of people within that particular um, space. And the reason is because the percentage of triple negative breast cancers among the total breast cancers diagnosed in non-Hispanic whites, Asians, or Pacific Islanders, Hispanics, um, American Indians, or Alaska Alaska Natives is between 10 and 20%, I'm sorry, 10 to 12%. And and non-Hispanic Blacks is 21%. And so we're trying to understand why that difference um, exists and more of the biology, you know, more of the um, biological questions. And so we're looking at the immune system to see if there are different, you know, immune players in terms of the amount of infiltration that we see between these different um, populations of people or the type of infiltration, what type of cells are being um, infiltrated in these patients. And so we're doing that by, you know, looking at the histology, um, uh, taking the uh samples of the tumor doing um, uh, next, gener- next generation sequencing on those to look at the genes. And then we'll looking at actually different types of immune cells um, from the histology tissue itself, as well as just do using our standard hematoxin and eosin slides to look at the actual global tumor infiltrating lymphocyte, um, lymphocytes into these populations, into, sorry, into these patient um, samples. So, Kim, I want to make sure that I, I've understood because, I mean, it sounds like such a cool project um, with with so much there um, to unpack. And maybe you're looking at all of these questions. But the first thing that it sounds like you're doing is really looking at these cancers to see whether, you know, various uh, immune pathways are turned on or turned off in the cancer themselves, whether the they have more or less um uh, infiltration with the immune system in these cells. Um, so do you find that um, there are biologic differences in triple negative breast cancer between um, African Americans and, say, Caucasians? Um, and do you think that that really explains why African Americans tend to have more triple negative breast cancers than other uh, non-African American races? So this is one of the things that we actually are um, trying to um, tease out with this particular study, and all the data is not back yet. Um, and of course, there are other factors as well that contributes to those differences. But, you know, as I said, we are really right now trying to focus on these um, differences in the immune system that we have seen initially. And as we're putting more patients on these studies and looking at more things, we're trying to see if those that if it indeed um 
gives us, you know, um, any um, reason to believe that there are different, as I said, immune cell populations that are being introduced that are different between those two groups and as well as other groups, but also if there's maybe a difference in the amount of um, those um, immune cells that are being um, introduced. And so we're still, you know, um, evaluating the data, but uh, hopefully that'll give us some insight of, of if, if that's indeed true. Yeah. So because that would mean because that would mean that, you know, we may need to think about how we treat the patients differently. Right. And it may it may give you in some insight into potentially why certain people get triple negative breast cancers more than others. Maybe uh, some populations of people um, automatically have a more robust immune uh, response to um, cancer cells as they are initially beginning, um, such that they don't develop into full-blown tumors. And so you may be able to see differences um, that way as well. Are you looking also at uh, the immune factors versus uh, stage at presentation? Um, because that, that too might play into that whole story, right? Uh, correct. And so the we're looking at, um, we're teasing that out as well, you know, and so um, as we uh, look at that, because that you're absolutely right, that could definitely play a, a difference um, um, in you know, what that makeup looks like at the end of the day, because we want to make sure that we are comparing, you know, you know, apples to apples, you know, so absolutely. And so, you know, for this part of the, the study, you're actually looking at the tumor's DNA, right? Like you're taking these tumor sections and doing next generation uh, sequencing on the tumor and the microenvironment surrounding the tumor. Has anybody really looked at um, the immune system of different racial groups to see whether there are differences in um, immune cell production between different races that might kind of give you some insight into um, how people mount immune responses, whether that's the same for everybody or whether there are nuances? And so actually we have some, we have a little bit of evidence to that, you know, as well as, as you think about things like your autoimmune diseases, your autoimmune diseases tend to be prevalent in certain, you know, more prevalent in certain populations, such as, you know, individuals of African descent and things like that. And they tend to have, as you look at the immune system, the immune systems tend to be very, you know, overactive, you know. And so these are things that can give us clues that, you know, maybe, you know, in different populations, we may need to think differently about how we approach this. And so there are um, studies that have been done in different fields. And I think that we can utilize that or leverage that to try to understand how this is um, applicable to um, cancer as well. And this is actually one of the main goals of this, that particular, this particular study that we're doing is to try to tease that out as well. And hopefully we can expand on that, you know, in terms of digging a bit more deeper into the immune milieu of these different patient populations. So not only would I like to, you know, look at, although this particular study is looking at, you know, individuals of African descent, individuals of Caucasian descent, I would also like to expand that to individuals of Asian descent as well. And, and as well as our other, you know, um, populations, because I believe that that's actually very important for us to be representative of all the populations in order for us to understand exactly what's going on with cancers globally, you know, period. 
And the other thing that you had mentioned just in passing was looking at different types of immune cells. So, you know, we often, when we've been on the show, have talked about um, TILs, these tumor infiltrating lymphocytes, and we talk about T cells, but, um, but there are other immune factors and other immune cells as well. Do we have any sense of... Um, you know, how these immune cells vary in terms of their response to tumors, either different types of tumors or to the same tumor, but in different people? So actually, that's a really great question. And I've done some work in this in breast cancer itself. And so I'd like to just share a little bit about um, a study that was recently published um, looking at um, uh, breast cancers in predicting disease-free, um, I'm sorry, B cells in predicting um, disease-free survival in breast cancer patients. And just as a little bit of background, so lymph node metastasis is a frequent early event in many cancers. And so in breast cancer, lymph node invasion is a key determinant of prognosis and treatment. So our previous studies had shown that T cells and dendritic cells in the tumor-draining lymph nodes may be altered in some breast cancer patients and can predict um, clinical outcome. But B cells are another major um, immune cell population, but their role in solid cancers is not well studied. So B cells isolated from tumor-draining lymph nodes, specifically sentinel lymph nodes, which are the first um, set of lymph nodes that the tumor drains into, can recognize um, cancer-associated antigens and are capable of producing antibodies against those antigens. And so in our study that we recently published, we... um, when we looked at B cells in sentinel lymph nodes of breast cancer patients, we found that patients with higher numbers of B cells had longer disease-free survival overall, as well as in those patients with um, triple negative um, breast cancer that had actually good prognosis. And then interestingly, this B cell link can be seen in melanoma patients, and we recently also published this, in that we have found that higher numbers of B cells correspond to to longer progression-free survival in patients with metastatic melanoma treated with anti-PD-L1 immunotherapy. Hmm. And so have we found a difference in terms of uh, the number of B cells that are in tumors of of people of African-American descent versus Caucasians? So these, this is one of the things that we're looking at. So we're still, that data still to be evaluated. Yeah, it, because I mean, certainly if it's true that B cells do predict uh, differences in survival, it, it sounds like it is a relatively simple um, prognostic factor, if not uh, anything else in terms of uh, guiding therapy. But it could give people an idea of, you know, how this biology is going to play out, particularly as it as it interfaces with the immune system. And the other thing, actually, and that's, you're absolutely right. And the other thing that I'd like to point out, too, is that, you know, the immune system is called a system for a very specific reason. It works as a system. So B cells do not work in isolation. T cells do not work in isolation. And so all these things require um, to be work to, to be working together. And so this is um, one of the things that we need to um, think about when we, you know, make these prognostics and predictive tools is that to consider all these different immune systems and put them together to make Um, choices that we move forward. Yeah. Well, we're going to pick up on that conversation right after we take a short break for a medical minute. Please stay tuned to learn more about health disparities and cancer and the immune system with my guest, Dr. Kim Blenman. 
Support comes from AstraZeneca, working side-by-side with leading scientists to better understand how complex data can be converted into innovative treatments. More information at AstraZeneca-US.com. This is a Medical Minute about colorectal cancer. When detected early, colorectal cancer is easily treated and highly curable. And as a result, it's recommended that men and women over the age of 50 have regular colonoscopies to screen for the disease. Tumor gene analysis has helped improve management of colorectal cancer by identifying the patients most likely to benefit from chemotherapy and newer targeted agents, resulting in more patient-specific treatments. More information is available at YaleCancerCenter.org. You're listening to Connecticut Public Radio. Welcome back to Yale Cancer Answers. This is Dr. Anise Chagpar, and I'm joined tonight by my guest, Dr. Kim Glenman. We're talking about health disparities in cancer. And right before the break, um, Kim, you were talking to us about some of the studies that you're doing in uh, breast cancer, and specifically one study in triple negative breast cancers, uh, where you're looking retrospectively um, at the various immune systems um, and the immune responses that are mounted by patients um, with triple negative breast cancer. And, and you know, you've kind of left us hanging um, in terms of uh, the details of whether this is really different between African-Americans and Caucasian patients. Um, we know, for example, that uh, in triple negative breast cancer, it seems to be more prevalent in African-Americans than in Caucasian patients. Um, can you shed some more light on um, how different cancers affect different racial groups differently? So, yes. And so, as I mentioned, um, you know, my research interest is in the biological factors that are responsible for disparities and disease and therapy responses. So in that context, melanoma is a great example. So melanoma is a skin cancer that occurs uh, most commonly when uh, the DNA and melanocytes is damaged by UV rays, uh, that is sun exposure. So melanocytes are the cells that produce melanin, which gives skin its color. Eumelanin is a type of melanin that is responsible for darkening the skin, and it has the ability to protect the skin from UV damage. So when individuals tan as a result of exposure to the sun, eumelanin is responsible for the visible color that you see as the tan. So individuals with naturally darker skin have more eumelanin and are therefore at lower risk for developing UV-induced skin cancer. So for decades, the messages that were shared in general and in communities of people of color with naturally darker skin was that people of color do not get melanoma. However, today we know that the most common form of melanoma found in individuals with naturally darker skin is acral melanoma, which is often found under nails, on the palms of hands, and the soles of feet. And to give the disease a face, um, the musician Barb Marley from Jamaica died of acral melanoma. And so this, uh, so I use this as a good example of why, you know, um, we, it's important that we actually um, take into account these biological factors and try to um, find or look for things that may give us some clues as to why things are different that are not um, um, a part of social determinants of health. 
Mm-hmm. And so this is how we really got into interested in looking into these, or I got interested into looking into these different um, factors for these different yeah. cancers. Yeah. I mean, certainly that makes sense in, in melanoma. In in breast cancer, as we were talking about before the break, you know, it, it's, it's a little bit more tricky in the sense that um, there doesn't seem to be a a particular factor, something like eumelanin, um, which uh, would be different between African-Americans and Caucasian patients, which I guess is how you you kind of got into thinking about, well, why is it that triple negative breast cancer is more common in in African-American patients? And and could this have something to do with uh, their immune system? Um, Because... Certainly, we know that triple negative breast cancers are immunogenic. Exactly. And actually, that's, that's the, the, the link with the acral melanoma as well. So the thing about the acral melanoma so is that it actually has a lot of infiltrating immune cells. And mm-hmm. acral melanoma is um, a, a little bit less um, involved in individuals of Caucasian descent. And so this type of thing is you're thinking about, OK, well, let's look at the immune cells. You know, is there something different about the immune cells that and the types of immune cells that are infiltrated that's making these differences that we see. Yeah, and, and and I suppose, you know, you did mention before the break about your study looking at B cells. Uh, and I believe you mentioned that uh, you found that B cells were tied to prognosis in both melanoma and in breast cancer, right? Correct, correct. Um, and so I guess that leads us to the next uh, study that you had mentioned before the break, which is a prospective trial looking at immunotherapy. Um, because as we've talked about on the show previously, uh, and as many of our listeners may know, um, immunotherapy actually has really taken hold in melanoma um, and is just starting to get evaluated in uh, breast cancer and specifically in triple negative negative breast cancer. So maybe you can tell us a little bit more about your work there. So, yes. So within the you know, last five to 10 years or so, we, as you know, you've mentioned, we started to really recognize that the immune system has a role in how cancer patients will respond to many of the therapies that we give, including chemotherapy. So to take advantage of that fact, we are, as, as you mentioned, starting to identify and use therapies that directly impact the immune system alone or in combination with chemotherapy. So for example, you know, we have an ongoing study that is evaluating the benefit of giving our triple negative breast cancer patients anti-PDL1 immunotherapy with chemotherapy before they're taking to um, surgery. And the advantage of that is that we're trying to understand to s- whether or not, you know, this particular regiment of giving that immunotherapy could help to boost the immune system's um, ability to see the cancer or to break it down so that the chemotherapy itself can respond better to the cancer. And as I said, that study is still ongoing, but we are starting to see some um, very interesting um, results that are, um, have some positive uh, benefit for anti-PDL1 immunotherapy. Yeah. Now, does that immunotherapy work um, particularly for people who have uh, PDL1 or PDL uh, or PD1? Um, receptors or or would it work for any triple negative do we know so actually this is kind of interesting because we're actually finding that we are getting um um effect um regardless of whether or not the individuals have um pdl1 
um, as part of their tumor. And so there are other things ongoing there that are that's mediating this response that um, we're still trying to learn for this particular um, PD-1, PD-L1 axis. Yeah. So it's certainly a really interesting and novel um, thing to think about. And I know many of our listeners are always um, intrigued by immunotherapy. It seems to be a really hot topic. But when we think about immunotherapy, one of the things that we always caution patients about um, is the side effects, um, which tend to be... um, side effects that uh, are an exacerbation of the immune system because essentially um, you you rev up your immune system or as you say you can make tumor cells uh, more susceptible to the immune system um, now have you noticed a, a difference in terms of racial groups um, with regards to uh, those side effects um, because you mentioned that there is a racial difference in terms of of autoimmune diseases. So um, one would imagine that there might be a difference in terms of the side effects uh, with uh, immunotherapy as well. Have you found that? So actually, that's a really great question and something that we are actually evaluating now. And so as uh, as I said, the study is still ongoing, so we don't have enough patients um, uh, collected yet in the different groups to actually um, make any statements. Um, But um, this is actually something that I am very interested in and is one of my um, major um, uh, uh, goals of the study is to try to tease out, you know, those uh, potential differences that we see between different populations of people. And um, but no, we don't we don't have that information yet. But I I suspect that we um, will be able to see um, in these studies and other studies that others are doing. Do we know whether different racial groups will respond differently um, to uh, immunotherapy? Like if, for example, patients have a similar tumor in terms of their PDL one status, um, the size of the tumor, the B cells and the T cells that are in the microenvironment, um, and you give them immunotherapy. Um, do we know whether just by fact of different racial groups, they will mount a different immune response that will um, then result in in differences in terms of the effect? So I, I think one of the, the first things that we need to think about is the individual. And so, um, and so I, so for, for that purpose, you know, the health of the individual is influenced by many interconnected factors, such as their individual biology, their behavior, environmental and physical influences, the type of medical care that they're getting and the social determinants, um, which are influenced by, you know, both the socioeconomic and political factors. Mm-hmm. And so we now know that each of these factors can lead to the health disparities that exist in cancer. And so these are the things that we actually need to um, consider when we talk about, you know, potentially, you know, one population being different than the other. And so I think the the individual um, uh, health is um, maybe something that we should consider um, versus the entire population of that, you know, individual. Um, so with that being said, um, it's going to be determinant on what their biology is, that individual biology and how their biology is going to respond to that individual therapy. And so I, I don't want to generalize um, to an, an entire um, population on that perspective. Right. 
But right. I think, you know, the more pressing question for me is, you know, how can we overcome, you know, these disparities that I just mentioned? And for me, I think that, you know, we need to be, you know, need, we need to do more inclusive research. We need to recognize that as um, human beings, we are part of a collective that is made up of different populations. And then in order for us to move forward in science and medicine, we need to include all of our populations in all of our research endeavors. And this level of diversity is not only required in the populations that we study, but it also needs to be equally represented in the faculty members that are performing and or involved in these studies. So again, representing um, the diversity of our global population. But again, yeah. you know, giving some a concept of the individual as well. Dr. Kim Blenman is an associate research scientist in medical oncology at the Yale School of Medicine. If you have questions, the address is canceranswers at yale.edu, and past editions of the program are available in audio and written form at yalecancercenter.org. We hope you'll join us next week to learn more about the fight against cancer here on Connecticut Public Radio.